0: Welcome to the Vortex Nation podcast, brought to you by lovers of hunting, shooting, public lands, the Second Amendment, and good food. What's up, everybody? We've got an interesting one for you here today. Across the table from Mark and myself, actually, and two, if you're looking at us on YouTube, you may notice that Mark appears a bit different than you're used to. Um, got, a, got a summer cut, Jim. Jen, Jen. Is that what that is? Yeah. It's also, summer. we're a little worried about him too because I don't know if it was the uh, I don't know if it was the weekend or what, or if it was the beard being trimmed that also apparently housed. You said the synapses. Yeah, that's where I was keeping them. Um. So anyway, if you hear a, a stutter or two from Mark, he's like Samson. We've cut the beard, and now, <laughs> uh, that that that's just what's going on. So, but we'll be all right. We'll make it through. We're good. Just gotta relearn. Okay. Anyway, small bore. Oh yeah, across the table from Mark and I is Ryan Muckernear and also Seth Toy. Now these guys joined us a while back. We talked all about 22s, competition 22, all that sort of thing, like 22 long rifle. Uh, but there is a a myriad of calibers, chamberings, and uh, and bore diameters, and all that stuff. Well below even 22, real tiny little guys. And so you guys have helped us even just as we were sitting here prior to starting define the nature of what we're going to talk about today. And, and actually, we're going to talk about stuff that's even smaller for the most part than 22 caliber. 20s 17s sub 17s so
1: just little babies little fellas
0: that's right i'm excited because we've gotten some requests from people around stuff especially a lot of the oddball 17s out there and some of these just like crazy hypervelocity things just real little baby baby bullets going down real tiny bore barrels so how do we start this one off guys do we start with one thing Seth you mentioned. I mean do, do you have to start with at least the twenty two, like the long rifles, the shorts, the BBs and that sort of thing to at least kinda get where we're at where we're going or Yeah,
2: I think it'd be helpful what? to talk about the history of really small rim fires. Kind of touch on the twenty two long rifle again and move into the other variety
3: of teeny guys and then yeah. I think twenty I think twenty two set the high mark on the small caliber. And that we had twenty two rim fire before we had a lot of center fire and then we went into center fire and then people were like yeah, that bore diameter is kind of attractive <laughs> and then we started making things small and then inevitably made them smaller so yeah 22s important
0: now is that just is that just what people started shooting small 22s and they were just sort of like this is awesome it's so awesome we should make it even smaller
3: yeah i think so that never happens no <laughs> generally there's a bigger is better philosophy yeah uh, but it did happen. It did happen. So yeah, let's let's do that.
0: The twenty two is one that's just so uh, it's so useful for so many things. It is because you can do target shooting with. I mean, heck, we got people shooting precision rifle with it for Pete's sake out to like five hundred yards sometimes. And then also you go out and you do a little bit of yard work with it, yep. and <laughs> it, it it takes care of the of business there. Now I am wondering to myself. Now, for example, I am thinking right off the bat, like I have a seventeen HMR. Okay, now that's a good one for yard work, and uh, but there's there's all these other ones. Like, how did people start making like all these ones for very specific applications, or was it just sort of this exercise and to just see how far the rabbit hole could go with what we could do with these little tiny bullets? I mean, why why did we even come up with
3: stuff smaller than twenty two? I think both. So, if I want to jump into this from the centerfire side of things, I think of cartridges and rifles. That we went from, um, like, especially in lever actions, we went from companion cartridges to your revolver to now making the rifle standalone with cartridges like 218B, some of the, well, the 25 caliber stuff that was all companion cartridges. But, like, let's look at 218B. What do you mean
1: by companion cartridge?
3: So, if you carried uh, on your hip a 3220 revolver mm-hmm. or a 4440, or something like that, then you would have a rifle chambered in the same thing.
0: Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Right. Lever gun, yeah, usually yeah. probably.
3: Yeah. Then as, like, metallic cartridge development continued on and then people started reloading, then we started tweaking stuff and we started coming up with stuff like 218B, for instance, which is a varminting cartridge. And it was a way that you could take your lever gun that you were familiar with the the mechanics and, and uh, you know, the whole setup and, and now push the envelope a little bit further for varminting or target shooting, um, enter something like the two hundred eighteen B, which by today's standards is really anemic, and we still didn't have telescopic weapon sights in any kind of commonality at that point. So we were still shooting irons. But
1: well, while we're talking about it, what is the two hundred eighteen B then? Like uh, how, how would you describe that in cartridge language?
3: Commercialized wildcat pistol cartridge neck down to twenty-two caliber. Okay. Okay. For use in a lever-action gun. I kind of like it. It's cute super cute
0: man it gets confusing when people start calling stuff that's like 22 caliber like 218s stuff like yep.
3: that why do they do that board diameter v groove diameter what so well you see 224 right where you see 219 218 221 what's yeah, so there's the,
1: oh there's the, got it 222 is not theres there 222
3: there is, there a 222? There is.
1: Mm-hmm. there's two 222s yeah <laughs> that's a lot it's a lot 220 swift
3: yep Okay. I think, like, naming convention aside, some of it has, you know, like, groove diameter, V bore diameter, and some of it is just we needed to come up with something a little bit different, like...
0: Right, because yeah. otherwise you're going to have, like, 20 of the same yeah, right. sounding name.
3: Yeah.
2: Okay. Got it. Because it's so popular to take a cartridge and neck it down to 22, right? That if all of them are 22X, you're going to run out of things That's good that make name. any sense. Twenty. I don't know why we're not inventing that
0: right now. Patent pending. Okay. We invented something on the last podcast that both you guys were on. So now now we're calling right twenty two x. 22X. Yeah, what did we what did cool. we make the last time Love that it. we didn't make? Or did uh, we make it? We made it was a uh, it was a twenty two bullet, but we made it in oh. such a way that it had a pocket behind it where there was like the ignition charge was inside of the bullet, so we could get like a really long bullet, high BC. Yeah, Seth, where are we at on that?
2: Um, it's It's uh, been a commercial success. I've already made <laughs> millions of dollars. And I already don't know why I'm sitting here. So,
0: yeah, um, you'll the, see uh, on the yacht. <laughs> the difference between that day and today was that day, for some reason, we had chicken tenders. And today, we have not. Hmm. It's still the morning on, like, basically a Monday. Yeah. Okay. But there's... Uh, so, getting into stuff that's smaller than 22 caliber. Yeah. Arguably, I'd say the most common one is 17. Yeah. So, arguably, but maybe not.
3: Yeah. I, 17's... Big uh, has been for quite some time from the wild basement wildcatter forward, so like late 50s on up seventeen people glommed onto it um, and I don't know why I don't know why seventeen itself, you know maybe air guns were seventeen and they were maybe. they maybe. were looking at that point one seven two point one seven seven diameter and they're like, well let 's just make it center fire or rim fire capable mm-hmm. um, above that air gun threshold and start playing with it and and it did take off and it's still prevalent today. So we break this out then into two categories. We have rimfire, sub bore, or micro bore, whatever you want to call it, and then you have centerfire. We, they're two yeah, right. centerfire. two wildly different creatures. Yes. Um, so predating even the 17 would be the five millimeter Remington Magnum, which was a, a cartridge that existed for such a brief window of time that a lot of folks have never heard from it. It was re reintroduced from Aguila. They started loading that ammo probably 15 years ago. Maybe a little bit more than that.
2: They have great taste, of
3: course. Yeah, yeah. They've always <laughs> they've always been good on unusual and obscure cartridges and chamberings. Our yeah. kind of people. Yeah. I mean,
1: I've never heard of that. So where, where would one even find the firearm to shoot this? In the 1960s. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. So were you... From- Breaking out the time machine. Yeah, thing. so oh, yeah. far
3: as I know, nothing else came out. Maybe Taurus released a revolver in five millimeter Remington Magnum, or it was talked about for a brief period. I know Aguila made ammo just for a small quantity annually, and they still may, but it's a rim fire case that if you look at it and you put it next to like a 17 Mach 2 or a 17 HMR, remarkably similar. Hmm. Um, They do very, very similar things. But again, it it was so obscure and for such a short amount of time that it almost didn't exist. On the Richter scale, it was an anomaly that... You know, whoever was reading the chart was like, eh. Yeah. Spilled so, it. Yeah, it's uh, nothing. Right. Um, oh, somebody shut the door. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> and then that was about it for the rimfire side of things for a long time and until the 17 HMR and, and HM2 came out uh, and then enjoyed enormous commercial success as this really cute, fun step up and rimfire performance. Both of them are. Uh, I've never even heard of the HM2, to be honest with you. You know, it's funny. I think it's the better cartridge. Of ah. the of the two, like if you look at them on paper,
0: like Scary Movie two, is <laughs> that's a good it's the parallel.
3: <laughs> but is
0: it still around
3: the HM two? <laughs> it is, yeah. But it never ever caught the same fire that the the HMR did. What um, was the difference between them? So the HMR is built off the twenty two win mag case. The HM two yeah. is built off a case called the twenty two Stinger, mm. which is uh, a lengthened twenty two long rifle that used a lighter weight 22 caliber, shorter 22 caliber bullet for use in 22 long rifle guns. So it should be noted as like a a distinct chambering difference. Like 22 Stinger is not 22 long rifle in the conventional sense it's slightly different mm-hmm. um but 17 hm2 was 22 stinger neck down to 17. okay um, but you could still run it in the same length action so like if you had at the time magnum research was the one who was really pushing the gun in their in their little auto loader uh the hm2 so it used the standard bx10 rotary magazine for i was going to ask if you can
1: use the same magazine yeah <laughs> you can yep. okay. and it was
3: like a barrel swap if you had a, mm-hmm. a 1022 and you got a 17 hm2 barrel you just put the new barrel on and pretty much went to town. You should respring too, but uh, a lot of folks didn't. You just got like a Green Mountain barrel or a Magnum mm-hmm. Research Magnum Light barrel and popped it on your 1022 and you were ready to party. Um, Savage also had that and Marlin had that chambered in, in their bolt guns as well. Yeah. Uh, but that, that to me was the darling cartridge in the 17 Rim Fires, hmm, but okay. never, never caught on with the same degree of. What about popularity. the
4: uh, way
3: what, cuter too? Like when you look at it, like that is way cuter than the 17 HMR, Hmm. and maybe that's why I I like that cute little cartridge. By the way, I think you're supposed to go like this around. Oh, I'm sorry for everybody who couldn't hear me up until now. I think everybody could.
0: Okay. Um, What's the what are reasonable expectations out of like a 17? I know there's plenty more 17s we can go into, but in terms of you know, like I got a 17 HMR because I just heard that it was like great for varmints and stuff like that. People kept saying it vaporizes vaporizes them, which I'm I'm actually all for uh and uh jim stands for vaporizing what is what is it about him? gosh i have so many questions about it i'll just start with that one but uh what what can you expect
3: so it, it does offer a ballistic advantage over the 22 in terms of like trajectory and and to a point when wind deflection like it's got a higher bc so it's not as affected by wind one thing it wasn't and i remember when it really came out onto the scene uh, i worked at a gun shop there was a gun shop down the road Fellow down the road was telling people it was a great 300 yard coyote round. No, which it oh. is absolutely not.
1: It did. It did have this like magic bullet mystique.
3: Like, yeah. look at this amazing tiny little
1: thing <laughs> that can do, you know, anything. And some it things. Just, just kind of like it's good. Like it's just really good. Yeah. But it's not that. Uh,
3: I think for gophers, uh, woodchucks, um, the occasional must-a-lid and possum. Maybe it was fantastic prairie dogging with a rimfire. That was a that was a new adventure with a HMR and HM2. I think mm-hmm. more the HMR, but but it did offer like a a two hundred yard solution for varminting mm-hmm. uh, that that in a rimfire package that was you know low impact, low noise,
1: small like the smaller varmints yeah. like you're talking about the little two hundred. Because like, I mean I've shot prairie dogs with a HMR before and. Yep. You know, it's not doing the same thing that, like, a two twenty three is going to no. do. Like, they kind of, I mean, you, you can hit you hit them, and they just kind of go, ugh.
3: Right. You it, know. It doesn't have the pop that right. I think a lot of people thought it did. Because it's really not that fast. It's a 17-grain bullet at 2,550 feet per second.
0: Mm-hmm. So yeah. mm-hmm. everybody always acts like it's like coming out like an absolute lightning, beam. right? And it, it's
2: compared not, to a twenty-two. Y- yeah, it's true. Right. Yeah.
0: Is that why the BC is higher? Is just is just its speed in that case? Because isn't a wouldn't a twenty-two bullet be bigger and heavier? It, it
3: is, but the profile of the bullet. So like the seventeen HMR bullet, the seventeen Vmax that that it's really famous for is a, a boat tail design with a polymer tip. It's a very sleek bullet. Is there one behind you? Uh, matter of fact. There is, on the cartridge board here. Let's see if I have that the cordage Ooh. allowance. Oh, gosh. Okay, cool.
0: That's awesome.
3: Yep. So we have the Mach 2, see, way cuter, and then the HMR. Oh,
0: well, the Mach 2 is way cuter.
3: A super cute cartridge. I was expecting
0: it to actually be the bigger one, because nope. you were saying how much like better it was, and we went into this earlier, bigger is always better.
2: Well... <laughs> I think functionality and interchangeability helps.
0: Yeah. So we got a Mark um, 2 and an HMR here, Marco. Huh?
2: Especially if you if you're doing this as a project, which I think it's probably safe to say that the wildcats and a bunch of the small bore mm. stuff is it starts out as twenty two is great or two twenty-three is great, but what if? And I th- like that thought process is how we end up with a lot of these quirky little things. Yeah. And so if I was yeah. gonna take like my CC four fifty seven, right? Yeah. And I already like my twenty-two long rifle length magazines and I want a seventeen cartridge, I would choose a cartridge or make a cartridge that's gonna be compatible with my magazines and the rest of the rifle system. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think why I'm inclined to agree that the Horny Mach two was the superior cartridge is because I'm already yeah, on other- sold on twenty two yeah. long rifle, not twenty two magnums. I don't want longer magazines. I don't want a different
0: bolt throw. I want to just do something crazy with the rifle that i have do some crazy now i have a 457 in mm-hmm. 17 hmr mm-hmm. and i just did a quick barrel swap and a mag swap and i switched it from 22 to 17 hmr and the that mag swap
3: yeah and that is what you they, kind of 20 unique 20 to, to that, the CZ. to the to the CZ and a couple okay. other guns like the Socko quad sure so, um, maybe I shouldn't have picked that rifle. Well, no, but, I, but where you were going, though, like, let's go back to the 1022, which was, like, probably the most customizable firearm outside of the AR 15 for a long time. Yeah, um, no doubt. Um, th- there is a very distinct action difference, whereas your 457 okay. is very flexible in that it can go into a Magnum rimfire chambering and then back out of into a standard rimfire chambering. But the 1022 could not. You, ha- you had to either have a 1022 or a 1022 Magnum. The 1022 Magnum is rare as hen's teeth. And if you have one, they're extremely expensive. Like they're selling for over a thousand bucks now just because they were a limited run, a very volatile cartridge to chamber in an auto loader at the time. They had tungsten bolts. So they were expensive to produce steel receivers as opposed to the aluminum receiver on the 1022. So you'd be less inclined one to find one uh, and then two to goof around with it just because mm-hmm. it's going to, detract from the value of the gun or potentially end up in catastrophic failure and you crack the receiver with that very heavy tungsten bolt. So to Seth's point, being able to unplug the barrel from a ten twenty two via two small screws just under the barrel and pop in a new Green Mountain or Magnum Research barrel and you're up and running, you could do this in your garage and the 17HM2 then it would be the the better choice. Yeah, I can see that being the case. Until the CZ came out, uh, and And enjoyed its success that it has now you didn't really have that option short of being a custom gunsmith and having access to a lathe and and chambering equipment and that kind of thing you know, because like the savages for instance the ninety three r seventeens you you didn't take a uh ninety three chambered in twenty two mag and turn it into a seventeen with any degree of ease right you know you'd have to have the the tooling and facilities to do that ten twenty two you could do it though so Mach two gets my nod
4: mm-hmm
2: What's funny to me also is seeing the return of the 22 long rifle after we did all of these exploratory what-ifs with subcalibers and everything yep. else. And I think that part of what's made that possible, shameless optics plug, is the fact that we now have affordable first focal plane high magnification optics mm-hmm. with good resolution that allow you to understand and utilize the ballistic performance of the 22 mm-hmm. long rifle mm-hmm. as opposed to something with a flatter trajectory like a 17 mm-hmm. that's faster Ooh. but because like we, we talk about the same being true with like a uh, 30 caliber versus six caliber you generally are getting the heavy for caliber long um, slippery bullets that maintain their velocity better rather than being high velocity to begin with And as you're stretching out the range of something and trying to have a predictable trajectory at distance rather than want something that just doesn't deviate from your line of sight very much and then you just have a kind of a cutoff where the energy runs out, Mm -hmm. you now are able to take something where, well, my optic has all the information in it that I need to be able to stretch the legs on this cartridge Mm -hmm. as much as I want. And the other
1: tech to go along with it, ballistics calculators, range finders, you know, all these things that... You just didn't have before, so it's like before. It was like, yeah, add more velocity.
0: Yeah, 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 exactly. Very astute observation. That, yeah, same thing that happened in the big, big bore, mm-hmm. like uh, big game hunting cartridges. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and oh. we're
2: kind of kind of gone full circle because a lot of cool companies have made optics with high end features more accessible. Yeah, mm-hmm. I wish we knew some. Yeah, weird.
1: Hey, speaking of uh, adding more velocity, here's one that I feel like I don't hear a lot about, but it seems really cool to me, the 204.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm.
1: Was
0: a cool cartridge.
3: I was at... Oof, um was. <sighs>
0: the old, yeah. just
3: demeaning was. Well, I mean, <sighs> it still is. It's just, uh, when it came out, it was it was like the first real commercial over 4,000 feet per second. Loading out there. Gosh, that's like, I so already cool. want it just yeah. hearing that.
0: I'm getting goosebumps just hearing over 4,000. Yeah. Per so, I think
3: I the say. the original chambering was a 32 grain VMAX at 42.25. Oh. Now, I loaded for Who that cartridge. Want that. I could Surprise. never I could never get the cartridge to go over four grand when I was loading for it. And it could just be because I had a really bad chronograph and maybe like does not compute. <laughs> at that level. You were but, par- probably at like five. <laughs> right. Um but I, I remember when that cartridge came out and thinking like I had just gotten into like calling coyotes mm-hmm. and thinking like I'm doing it wrong. I'm shooting a two twenty three, like oh, wasting my time. Um but uh, really neat cartridge I think it's like the ultimate prairie dog and red fox cartridge um, mm-hmm. you know if I was going to assign a cartridge to a species real low recoil it's based off the 222 Remington magnum case which is different than the 222 Remington case so that gets a little wild too but yeah 20 caliber um, which had also been out for some time there's a couple other 20s that that came out that I think pushed the development of the 204 Ruger that, that have notable mention, like 20 practical, 20 tactical, uh, 20 Vartarg, um, 20 fireball, which is kind of a derivative of Ooh, one fireball. of those. yeah. Yep. Um, and, yeah, it was a really neat thing. I think there was a-, a Jim bo-
1: heard fireball. He's like, are we going ice fishing? What's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> I think there was
3: like a Saturday night. A resurgence in varminting at about the time that the 204 came out. And there again, though, I think that cartridge was also wrought with a little bit of expectation v. reality, and, and that people were like, well, now it's a 500-yard coyote cartridge. And at the end of the day, it's Whoops. still a very lightweight, thin-jacketed projectile, albeit being pushed at very, very high velocity, just didn't carry the WAP necessary to ethically put down a 30 to 40-pound canid right. at extended distances.
0: How is it that a thin-jacketed, very small projectile can go 4,000 miles, or I'm sorry, not miles <laughs> right. dang it, feet per second, <laughs> Without just completely delaminating and coming apart,
3: it does, and that that's kind of part of the problem. Okay. So if they hit with too high a velocity, you get no penetration, and it just like grenades, right? Uh, and just the coyote's sub, like, ah, just subsurface. Yeah, less uh. than less than exceptional results. I knew a lot of guys that were um, like big coyote callers that if it was like two hundred and in, smoked, but. After running into some coyotes at extended distances or further than that, they're like, man, I really wish the bu- bullet weight was a little bit higher, yeah. had a little bit more retained energy or just penetrating power. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of them went back to two twenty-three or .22-250 because they wanted that extra punch. But it is still a delightful cartridge to shoot. So two twenty-three has negligible recoil. two oh four is just sweet. And perhaps we'll get into this, too. Maybe the undoing of a lot of these sub-bores mm-hmm. is with that increased velocity— comes a lot of other problems, like fouling, And then one uh, sub-bore that I think probably set the precedence for a lot of other sub-bore fires was the 17 Remington. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah.
0: A lot of requests for people uh, from people for us to talk about the 17 yeah. Remington.
3: So there again, same case, 222 Remington Magnum neck down to 17. Pushed a, I think it was a 25 grain was the standard right. load. Very fast. Had terrible fouling problems. Part of it was just... Rifling process and barrel steels at the time that it came out. And then two, uh, it's a very small projectile and it's going very fast. And Mm -hmm. so they'd they'd copper out really quick and then your accuracy would just gone. So fouling and coppering out. Like the barrel would. Yeah. Okay. Just foul out and you'd have to clean it quite often. Gotcha. And for a varmiting cartridge, and if we're thinking of varmiting, I guess in my head, I'm thinking, you know, prairie dog shooting or what do you call them out where you're from? Rock chucks? Groundhogs. Groundhogs. Okay. Groundhogging. Um, yes. <laughs> great cartridge to do it, but typically higher volume. And then oh, yeah. you'd foul out and you'd lose your accuracy while you're out there. And then they're like, well,
0: yeah, that sucks. I
3: guess it was cooler when I had my 223 and I could just do this all day and not have to worry about anything. But it is a really neat cartridge. And it, it did kind of set in motion a lot of the sub bore craze. And there's a couple other 17 center fires that, that were kind of hot too. One of them, kind of the short version of that, was a 17 Mach 4 that then became commercialized as the 17 Fireball. Um, which was the tw- 221 fireball, neck down to 17. And it got most of the same performance that the 17 Remington did in a smaller case. Mm-hmm. And
0: those are center fire, you said?
3: Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Now, is it just the fact that they're center fire, that they were usually the ones that were, like, really screaming?
3: Yeah. Yep. So
0: you can do that with a, with a rim fire?
3: Not to the same degree. So.
0: And is that... Why Why just, is it? Was it about the case that... Case volume? Yep,
2: case yep. volume. Length. Oh. Yep. Oh. So... And, there's no ability to reload the the rim fires, right? Yeah. So if people are
3: really trying to push the limits of something, you're stuck with what's commercially loaded. Yeah. So yeah, like right. a, a 17 HMR, 17 grain VMAX, 2520 or 2550 for velocity. The 17 Mach 4, 25 grain VMAX, 4,000 feet per second. Oof. Yeah. So and that's where the Mach 4 comes from. Um, I remember Cooper chambered that cartridge for a long time. Like, and they provided you with like load data for the... The cartridge when when you bought the gun and then you'd have to get dyes from like rcbs or redding or somebody cooper you know? does cool stuff like that. they Super do cool I feel like stuff. whenever i yep. hear
0: about cooper it's always like some very just neat yep. oddity that... it's
3: kind of the only quote production custom rifle where you can still get a 20 tac a 20 prac a 20 var um you know all those what what are these ones yes. <laughs> the 20 tac
0: crack var i mean it just sounds like did somebody start somebody was on the keyboard and was like oh, i don't know we need a name
1: I was so. going to say, I, frankly, it sounds like Ryan's making things up and just seeing if we'll nod.
3: Yeah. Yeah, correct. Yeah. So. Uh,
1: so oh, the Vartarg, of so course. So the, the non
3: <laughs> the, the commercial 20 calibers, <laughs> uh, like 20 practical, for instance, is a 223 neck down to 20 calibers. So it's practical yeah, that in that you already wrong. have brass, you neck it down, slight performance disadvantage to the 204 Ruger. The 20 Vartarg, I think that's a 221 fireball based case, correct? Okay. You're so outside of my wheelhouse. So there's, there's you're on your own
0: pal. Twenty <laughs> tactical then.
3: The <laughs> Oops, twenty tactical, I believe, is the non-commercialized version of the 204. Somebody fact check me on this, please. <laughs> uh and again, practical being the two twenty-three neck down to twenty, the tactical being slightly more five
0: five six neck down. <laughs>
3: yeah, right. And then the <laughs> the, the Vartarg being, I think, the the twenty, two twenty-one wildcat. It's, it's really something right. It is, yeah. But really common or was kind of common for barbeting, for prairie dogging and okay stuff like that Two so little cartridges
0: if you know uh to have reasonable expectations mm-hmm. and also you don't shoot as much according to the fouling and all that other stuff i think a lot of that's been be mitigated
3: now with just
0: different projectile design or something that and like jacket and or?
3: powder technology too mm-hmm. um so there's some powders that have a like a chemical property that aids in copper fouling Mm -hmm. Um, one of the more common commercially available is the CFE powders Um, so copper fouling extreme I think is what the E stands for yeah oh yeah it is eliminator yep Mm. good guess yep so you can get that (laughs) it's um, like it's
0: like having a fuel additive in your gas yeah
3: I don't know if it's gimmick or not because I don't shoot that powder. I know a lot of folks that do yeah. in, in pistol and, and center fire, and yeah. they love it. Like it meters well, it's very consistent. A bunch of
2: three gunners I know yep. I like them because they don't like clean anything.
3: Yep. <laughs> trick powder. But True. um,
1: yeah. Well, what, what about, you know, we're talking about some of these, you know, small, super, you know, hyper velocity cartridges, which would be well suited for things like prairie dogs, mm-hmm. which can be high volume shooting. What are we talking, like, you know, going back to, like, the the 204 or 17 Rem or something like that? What, what are you
3: talking barrel life then? Mm. The 17 Rem had a pretty jaded history, and reports vary, right? People are like, I fouled out, and it's shot out in 400 rounds, and I've talked to other guys that have used 17 Remington's, like, first, second, third-year production guns, and they were... Burning down prairie dog towns with them, just having like a judicious cleaning schedule with them, and and they were aware of it. Or they were hand loading themselves, using better propellants, Mm -hmm. not running into that problem. And they're like, I've got two thousand rounds to my seventy-seven. It's it's kind of an obscure enough cartridge now that you just don't hear about it anymore.
1: My buddy uh, Mike uh Mm -hmm. when we used to hunt together a fair amount, he was quite fond of his seventeen remington so We'd go, he'd he'd coyote hunt with that. I killed one coyote with it, and it did very well it was actually at very close range and Mm -hmm. you know just dumped it and definitely no pelt damage like it was really cool and then but then conversely he shot one one time and i don't know if he hit it in the shoulder or what but like you said it was like we got it but But not not,
3: that was my experience with the 17 hMR i mean it was like
1: but like pelt damage extraordinaire. like i'm i've never seen it on the surface like that yeah yeah yeah.
3: yeah, flap injury (laughs) yeah um Yeah, and so I think it's funny, though, if we look at a lot of those, and when they came out, maybe two things happening in tandem. One, metallic cartridge reloading became a thing, and like the Tinkerer, um, that was the home hobby gunsmith and reloader, pioneered a lot of these cartridges, a lot of these sub-bores in the 1950s, 60s, and 70s. At the same time, hides were still worth something. Mm -hmm. So people were out hunting hide. Like a fox was 50, 60 bucks when my uncle and my mom were in high school, and Back then, that was a ton of money. Yep. My, my uncle put himself through college on fur, which is really crazy to think about. You that can't, is crazy. You can't do that anymore. No. So the hide hunter, I, I think, had a lot to do with that, too, where people were looking for an option for, for taking a coyote or a, a, a fox without doing extraordinary pelt damage.
4: Mm-hmm. And so
3: mm-hmm. out of that necessity spawned these cartridges. You know, their, their practicality is, of course, subjective uh, because it wouldn't be my first choice. I think I would just do a different bullet and something like a two twenty three or two forty three where I wouldn't have that problem. At the time though, they didn't exist.
1: I was gonna say, yeah, yeah now
3: we right? didn't we didn't have the VMAX bullet in, you know, nineteen sixty eight. So you just didn't have that option. You were stuck with a soft point and the only way to keep it from chunking out a big piece of your critter was go smaller faster yeah. so that it just didn't have the penetration and popped on the inside. But um,
0: What did their bullets look like that were in the 17s and stuff like that back then? Soft points. Soft points? Yep.
3: Or or little hollow points that had interesting closures on the the nose.
0: I kind of wonder how the first guy to start thinking 17 should be a thing, like, made those tiny little bullets. Yep.
3: Little hollow points.
0: That'd be pretty wild. Yeah. You said you got... Didn't you get to see the process of, like, how they make the 17s now?
3: When I was at... It was the first and second time I toured the Hornady facility in Grand Island, Nebraska. They've got this little loading machine. So the facility's phenomenal if you're in the Grand Island Air Stop and it's beautiful. With the seventeen HMR machine at the time reminded me of like a regular home fridge mm-hmm. uh, made out of Lexan or plexiglass and all these cool little mini tools in there inserting the Delrin tip into the bullet, forming the bullet, spitting the bullet out, and then the loading process was just miniaturized as well, uh, where they had like instead of this table length long thing, for taking rifle brass and turning it into rifle ammunition. At the end, it was just miniaturized. <laughs> um, and so all these little 17-grain is spinning out into a, a bucket, basically, on the ground, everything was just super scaled, super cute, and pretty high-tech in comparison <laughs> to, like, the other machines that were making bullets at that time. And don't they just crank them? Yeah. like Just it's, like... Beep, beep, beep. Yep, they were just flying out of that little machine. And these teeny little seeds, little red tips little tiny <laughs> copper jackets just spitting out. It's like, wow, that is neat. And uh, yeah, like the size of a fridge, maybe a little bit larger than a home fridge, but not much bigger.
0: That's amazing. That's it was so my, it was, I think
3: it was my favorite machine on the tour. I'd Absolutely. Be, you know, be yeah.
0: hard to peel me away from watching that happen. Yeah,
3: yeah. Very neat. Like mm. uh, Edward Scissorhands in the movie, when, in the beginning when he's making all the cookies. That's what it reminded me of. Great film. <laughs> yeah.
0: Another great film. Yeah. Okay, so how about, aren't some people making some pretty, there's actually some other very small calibers we can get into some some of the more even like outlandish ones but aren't there some people who are making some of this stuff like are they making any 17s or 20s I know they make 22s where people take like an entire like 30-06 like the 22-06 for mm-hmm. example take real big cases and neck them way way, 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 down is anybody doing that with like these really sub sub calibers?
3: Yeah, I mean the Basement Tinkerer still exists today I have seen a 20 Creedmoor rendition I've not seen a 17 Creedmoor rendition um, but it's still pretty popular to bring stuff down to 22 and i think a part of that has to do with once you get case volume so large and bullet diameter so small unless you're you're turning like solid bullets yeah eventually you're just gonna blow they they won't make it through the the like through the rifling process they leave the barrel and they just dematerialize uh, and you end up with this neat little cloud of vapor for so that. They
1: talk about fouling. Yes, <laughs> right.
3: They just never leave. I see. I knew Seth was going to get to this, or somebody was going to get to it, the twenty-two year split in Loudon boomer. Yeah, this is um, <laughs> one of the, one of
2: the other guys we work with. This is one of his favorite cartridges ever. He worked at um, he worked for Winchester uh, before he worked here, and so he's really in tune with uh, cartridge manufacturing and some kind of the oddballs. And this is one of the like. Memes basically of the 1960s <laughs> right. Wildcat world. So it's a 378 Weatherby Magnum case necked down to a 50 grain 22 called the Ergen Splitten Loud and Boomer. <laughs> and the. Uh, Speaking of
1: made up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
2: And uh, you can see a picture of it right there. It is one of the most obtuse looking. I like that word. <laughs>
0: obtuse. You know that. Cartridges. You know the uh, there's a meme out there now where it's got like the face of some little tiny like Shih Tzu dog on top of just like a super jacked body. Yeah. body? <laughs> That's exactly what this looks like.
3: Yeah. Now has anybody actually like made 17... one chambered uh, one? And fired it? <laughs> I don't this,
0: know. Right next to it, this looks. This could be photoshopped or real. It's the seventeen fifty and the twenty two fifty.
3: Well, a lot of things wouldn't work if we did that. Right.
0: <laughs> That's not the point though, Ryan. The point is that the point is to. Like, just do it yeah. anyway.
3: Thank you very much.
2: Yeah, yeah it's a I, doozy. I, I mean, if you, if you've got all the tools, it's one of those like, why, well, not? why not? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, think, I don't know. I might as well. <laughs> I think I could think of a few reasons for that <laughs> one. We've done everything practical. <laughs> I just want to make chips. I'm sick of making people happy with products that make sense. Let's just, let's just. I like, I like that. Let's I don't make know.
3: Some, I also want to point back. Like, if an engineer was to ever um, backhandedly insult you, he would use obtuse. <laughs> very obtuse individual oh okay well that's good <laughs> i like that very straight obtuse. out
0: of uh, what's that morgan freeman i was gonna oh, say yeah. the
1: only time i've really heard that word used is um uh, was a shawshank redemption shawshank yeah how could you be so obtuse that's right. geometry class wow
0: <laughs> okay now how about some <laughs> of these how about some of these more wilder ones like we were talking about like we were even saying things but prior to starting on here i asked you guys about the like two millimeter oh, two yeah. and a half millimeter then, obviously, there's also the uh, 4.7, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Is that the one? Is that yep. the one that's What's in the, the MP7 that, that everybody wants, Four, but nobody 4. Point can 4.6 by 33. 4.6, dang and it. And then
3: HK had the 4.7 millimeter caseless. Okay. Oh, is the caseless one the one that was in the G11? Yeah. Oh, yeah, when we uh, talked about that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Isn't that where the whole thing came up with, the thing we made last time, or no? What? Like the, the the 22.
3: Yeah, we were talking about caseless, I think, and then we were like, well, wait a minute. What is a case and why? Right. What If we just use the bullet, as the case. Seth, write what this if down. What is yeah. the case? Yeah. Ob- Obtration. <laughs> um yeah, so like four point six and four point seven, two millimeter Calibri was one that Seth was talking about before we started. Mm-hmm. Which is is there any practical I mean it's it's a personal defense weapon.
0: Uh in, allegedly. Yeah. I, I think yeah, I mean personally defending yourself against what? Flies?
2: I don't know, mice. On your table. (laughs) Seriously? I I don't know. It was, it said that it uh, had underwhelming performance. Shocking. (laughs) It's, yeah. Shocking. And (laughs) and would only penetrate like 10 millimeters of pine board. And so it was, wow. uh, Yeah. Unimpressive.
3: But wait a minute, though. What more do you need? I mean, a lot, but. (laughs) Yeah, a fair bit. You know, if somebody was wearing, um, well, you know, like a a a armor suit made out of Reynolds wrapped tinfoil. They'd probably be okay.
0: I mean if you especially if you'd have to aim uh, perfectly for just the eye. And you hope they're not blinking when the bullet <laughs> <it
1: comes>. so <laughs> I was uh, when we went me- when we went metric there, I got my millimeters mixed up there for a second. But yes, that is not
2: yeah. very a third of an inch. That's a really disappointing penetration right. performance out of a projectile. So if you don't leave, I'm gonna shoot you yeah. with my real gun. Yep. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, I mean the, the two millimeter calibri I think is one of those joke cartridges also i think it would be fair to say the whole cartridge when every shot is a warning shot (laughs) (laughs) it's puff 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 i'm so angry the whole cartridge is like 11 millimeters long at its widest point the case is three millimeters in diameter wow it's a two millimeter projectile and at the time they didn't even have the ability to rifle bores that were that small and so that was one oh, of the yeah. chief complaints about this is that it, it couldn't stabilize bullets or do anything so it's a smooth bore oh my gosh two millimeter hilariously inaccurate and underpowered joke and the other odd thing is that it would headspace off the case mouth so there was no no like significant taper to the cartridge or anything and they just turned down the diameter right before the bullet and it would headspace off the mouth of the case rather than like the shoulder or the rim yeah. where where things would normally headspace. So that it's just an oddball. I think people like the
0: oddballs. Yeah. Um, so whenever somebody gets into the argument of like, well, do you think a 22 caliber like a 22 long rifle would be adequate as a self-defense cartridge you know, it's one's better than a 2 millimeter. That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> better <laughs> than a
3: 2 millimeter Calibri. And you can still buy those um miniaturized pinfire guns. Yeah. I've almost I've almost done it several times just to say I've done it because like you can get a miniature pin fire in like an 1885 high wall. That would be funny. The tricky part is handling the cartridges themselves because they're so tiny that you can accidentally crunch one by picking it up. It's like if you're trying to like pick up a butterfly, you've oh, got to be really careful <laughs> <laughs> because the, the uh, propensity to damage it is, is just by touching it. So Yeah.
0: The practic- Probably the oils from your fingers add, like, three grains of weight or something to the... Or yeah. Not three grains, <laughs> but, like, just some percentage that's just ungodly and right into the bullet.
3: Right. Yeah, the practicality of those, I think, is nil. Uh, novelty more than anything. Kind of like your 22-year-go-split and loud and boomer thing. Right.
2: But that's a dangerous novelty. Whereas yeah. I think, yeah two millimeters at least, mostly harmless. Right. I don't know. It hails back to a great time when, you know, pre-internet, right. what is there to do except make firearms that are nonsense and or pure entertainment so if we were ready to leave this topic i think that would have been a, a good segue into like the gallery gun yeah and and the the 22 shorts and things like that yeah so 22 long rifle is great right has lots of practical purposes phenomenal lawn uh tool as yes. you said yep garden defense uh artillery instrument it's great for that but Some things that it might not be so great for is, let's say, you're in a bar shooting the breeze, and 22 long rifle is pretty loud to shoot inside at tin cans and things for fun, and so what if we cut the case length in half, and what if even that was too much, and so we decided to not even put any powder in it and just prime a case and put a 22 bullet on the end, or just crimp a BB in there and see if we could have darts that
0: you get could to use shoot a rifle instead of darts. I like that. <laughs> Great bargain.
2: Yeah. That's exactly right. And I think a lot of these older sub, sub, sub micro chamberings, whatever else, were pure entertainment. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, that's. I think I've mentioned this before, and I know that my dad does not know what a podcast is or how to listen to it, but I used to shoot his Ruger Mark II in the basement with 22 Calibri. He'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> he'll never know never missed but powderless primed case very small projectile in there what were they like a 20 grain if that yeah little yeah. pointed goofy looking 22 bullet not recommended to shoot out of rifle length barrels because they they would sometimes get stuck um, <laughs> so if you shot them out of a pistol very the quiet
0: obturation is too strong yeah
3: i know that i know for certain that Probably my brother and sister were upstairs while I was doing this and they had no idea. So, the
1: 22 the wiser. what'd you have? Do you have a little bullet trap down there? Or what'd you have? Yeah,
3: by bullet trap, you mean yellow pages. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not to say yeah. the unfinished concrete wall. Right.
0: Yeah. So,
2: the 22Calibri, that's the same as the 22CB. That's right, with the conical bullet. And the 22BB was the blissfully inferior version of a blissfully inferior cartridge. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, It's tricky to navigate uh, the nomenclature almost anywhere in the cartridge world, but especially in just slight tweaks of already obscure, nonsensical
3: things. One would have to ask, too, with a twenty-two BB cap, why not just have the Red Rider? And I suppose at that time, the Red Rider didn't exist. I don't know when the Red Rider came out. We shoot
0: our Red Rider in here all the time. Yeah. Airtight seals are hard, man. Yeah. Like,
2: whether you're using synthetic materials or, like, leather Mm O-rings, having a pump— Air gun system would actually probably have been harder than loading a,
3: a rim fire. Sure. Sure. You know, Lewis and Clark employed air guns. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. That's Educate what we talked me. about in our air like- gun
0: podcast. I think that was after the cast. Oh, after the cast. Well, maybe partly during- in the cast, but then we learned the weird little details about Lewis and Clark maybe after the cast because that's <laughs> what it was. But, <laughs> but yeah, they did.
3: Yeah. They would impress it was the like native a show of people force with their 30 yard capable air guns. I'd be impressed. I, I agree. I agree. How do we... Oh, yeah, we derailed. We we're talking about subcalibers. We got into air guns, um, which most are subcalibers. And didn't they use, mm-hmm. like, uh, mm-hmm. how were they compressing their air? They were basically... They had, like, a canister on the bottom. Yeah. You had to pump it, though. They had to charge it. Yeah. It was, I think, a brass canister that went underneath what would be, I guess, the, quote, chamber, and then that was charged. I don't know the the charging mechanism, though, like, how they did it.
2: Hmm. An intern?
3: <laughs> on it, Here, go well, into this until you pass <laughs> out.
0: <laughs> Figure out how to fill this up. Uh, <laughs> like that. Often not reported.
1: Intern, that was a long <laughs> on uh, me. Yeah. Can't so make it.
3: <laughs> Maybe, looping, <laughs> <passed out>. Maybe <laughs> looping back to commercial viability um, or... or present-day available cartridges in these sub-calibers. So in the rimfire world, we've got 17s, of course. We've got the 17HM2 and barely the 17HM2, 17 17HMR, 17 still very popular. Yeah. Right? You've got one. I love it. It's a cute cartridge. And then in the center fires, the 17 Fireball still holds on, as as does the 17 Remington. Uh, but the 204, definitely reigning king of the sub-22 caliber cartridges. With commercial viability, anyway, you can still get that from pretty much every major manufacturer right now that I'm aware of. Um, brilliant prairie dog cartridge or varmint cartridge, if you've got woodchucks or raccoons, possums, etc., and it does perform fabulously on smaller things. Yeah, bigger things, you know. Once you get into coyotes, you know, as long as you're limiting your distance, it's certainly right. usable cartridge. And then everything else would fall out of. The commercial viability parameters and then just be weird and yeah, obscure wildcats novelty yeah yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah trying to think if there's any others well,
0: aside from but like going back to that one i mean we were joking around about the 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 viability of a two millimeter self-defense cartridge but then i mean not far off we do go back to that hk mp7 yeah. four point what is it which one is it four, six. Six or seven, four point six millimeter cartridge there i mean that's supposed to be in the hands of special tier one operators and you know like going against bad guys and i mean so what the heck are they doing there that's so much different than i mean how are they actually was that Uh, just an experiment
3: gun was that a novelty gun or what i mean it it seems like people so the it's the i guess the classic pdw concept of smaller caliber higher velocity more controllable higher rate of fire so yeah. super compact okay. gun, yeah. not much larger than a, a long slide pistol lengthwise. Anyway, I guess they're pretty long. they with even with the stock collapsed, they're about the size of an HK Mark 23. <laughs> so uh, and then super high rate of fire, uh, in in decent terminal ballistics, uh, but very controllable too. Recoil is is almost not even factored in because they are just they just hum um, when they're going. So are they doing something
0: different with the bullets that we can't... Is it like one of those things where we can't get these kind of bullets on the civilian that, market? That's what, the
3: other part of it, too. What's in them that makes them so... Either the able. core, like the core structure, like if they have a penetrator round, they'll have a, a penetrating component to the core itself okay. or the nose of the bullet. Um, and that was the other part of this, right? Be able to defeat armor, like yeah. a helmet or a vest. Yeah. Um, inside of this package, whereas like the MP5 or MP5K or Uzi or... Some other submachine gun chambered in 940 or 45 couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. Um, Enter the 4.6x33 or the 5.7x28, where that was like the prerequisite for the design. Had to be able to defeat armor at distance with a high cyclic rate and very controllable fire.
0: Just pump them full of incredibly hard grains of rice.
3: Yes. I, I don't think there was a precedence on so much stopping power as penetrating power and controllability or even financial feasibility. Correct. And I think that's
2: why it was not successful commercially. I sure. think to circle back to the economics. The like German fallacy of value classically is like, well, it's great because it solves exactly this problem, right? regardless of all of the other
0: trade-offs that right. everyone else would ordinarily
2: <laughs> think is a huge trade-off. We've
0: left a wake of, of inviability and yes. destruction in our path. Yeah. But we, but, but we've we did exactly perfection. what
3: you said. That's yes. exactly right. Which is a resounding theme in all the sub-wars. Yeah,
2: I think so. Huh. It's like we've sacrificed a lot of sensibility to do one thing way better than we could before mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. then when people try to do something different than that one thing with it they get a little salty because yeah. it's, it's not meant to do anything <laughs> but it's what <laughs> it's meant to do we're yeah. choosing yeah. it wrong which yeah. is
3: why you don't see the 17 mach 2 or hmr in these long-range rimfire performances right um because one they don't have the consistency that the 22 lr mm-hmm. does and to speak to why that cartridge has enjoyed this major resurgency in in competition shooting mm-hmm. and specifically this long-range stuff Because that stuff, the good stuff anyways, good ammo will put up SDs and ESs a lot of times similar or better than a lot of centerfire stuff. And so if you can map it and you can control it and you know all the variables and it's not wildly all over the paper, you can shoot long range with it and do so pretty easily. At my former employment, we tried for a long time to make an AR-15 chambered in 17 HMR. And we couldn't because there was some pretty wild numbers coming over Mm. the chronograph and when running it in an auto-loading system, it just didn't work. Hmm. And and that's why, I mean, my hat's off to Bill Alexander because I think he's the only guy that's really gotten that figured out um, with that interesting hybrid system that he had for the HMR AR. Like, it's stuck in a bolt gun or a single shot. Yeah, Like, that's that's it. But the consistency of the twenty two long rifle and the forgiveness of it is what's made it viable and not the sub rings.
2: I think there's a lot of incentive from ammunition manufacturers to make the highest performing .22 long Mm -hmm. rifle possible, Mm -hmm. what with the Olympics and other competitions Mm -hmm. kind of widely adopting it. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of extremely precise engineering development and metrology that goes into making something as consistent as possible. Mm -hmm. Bentress shooters, all the same things. And it's nice to not have to contend with going supersonic and back transonic again and, and all those other things. You can do it with a predictable round nose lead bullet Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, because you're not asking it to do more than you you want to do
3: you mentioned something there the olympics what's really cool is biathlon Mm -hmm. which you're speaking of probably more than anything for a long time the russians dominated it with a a sub bore compared to everybody else with the 220 russian Hmm. like that was their secret sauce Oh, the 220 version, I remember it. we've mentioned this before. Yeah, it's the parent case for like the 545 by 39, and the yeah, yeah, by 39. yeah. So that was like a sub bore by eight standards. Um, whereas a lot of other people were shooting like 30 out six and eight millimeter Mauser and uh, <laughs> yep. everything else that the, in the biathlon, yeah, they used to run center fire rifles. Right on. Yeah. And oh, the, really? Yep. The, I thought it was oh, so you'd always You'd see somebody 22. on
0: skis, and they actually get up there, and when they got up, it'd be like,
3: they had like, like... a real rifle. Wow. Yeah. Ooh. And And uh, the Russians were stomping grapes, and they were using a 220 Russian. And there was a lot of question as to what was this cartridge that they were running... They'd snag all their brass. Nobody found it. I think by accident... Somebody, Such a
0: Russian thing to do. Yeah.
3: I think by accident, if I remember the story they grab right, all
0: the brass before they find it.
3: By interns. accident, somebody had come across one of the cases. <laughs> <Interns. laughs> Once again. Those interns. Yep. Uh. yep. And, uh, and so the Russian sub-cartridge was, was found, uh, the 220 Russian, which turned into a lot of great cartridges. Yeah. All the PPC chamberings and then the Grendel and... A whole bunch of other cool stuff. That's pretty wild. Yeah. All started with a sub-bore. Hmm. Ah. Very cool. So some
2: very practical things have
3: Yeah. this as yeah. well
1: at the same time.
2: Yeah. Thanks, Russia. You just can't push it beyond what it's supposed to do. Right. You know?
3: Yeah. Or you're going to be disappointed. Right. Yeah, your your 17 HMR is not a 300-yard coyote round. No, it is not.
0: <laughs> I feel like it's it's... Fun. I mean, this—the whole point of this wasn't to like help people figure out like, which sub bore should you go for. That—that that wasn't it. it. was more just a conversation. But when you go into what ninety percent of people use firearms for, which is mostly practical use. Obviously, the practical use that's convenient when you shoot firearms—is also fun. But um, <laughs> I mean, when it boils down, there's there's it, the. Waters get so muddied by everybody who is really like into it and they're all tweaking yeah. funny things and you know like sacrificing things here to get a really specific thing here. It, it muddies the water so much, I feel like, for when people actually start looking for something they want to use practically, that it makes it difficult. But when you really peel it all back, especially with modern day propellants and bullet design and like materials and all that stuff, I mean it's not that hard to figure out what to get because it's like all right if you want something like if you want something small and to do you can do lots of things with it i mean 22 it's like just get a 22 mm-hmm. if you want something i mean it's just basically in ascending order it's like get a 22 a 223 a 308 or like an six. 06 A 06
3: 50 is the next right, step i mean i was going to say yeah. a
0: 50 or like a 338 i guess but even still like i mean Might as well just stick with it. Yeah, it's not that difficult. It's just when you want to start being different or, like, getting a little kooky and crazy or having these really specific applications. But the amount of times that you mentioned, Ryan, like the two twenty three, for example, and I'm thinking to myself, like, okay, there's a cartridge you can, whether or not, you know, some people will argue over its fiber, but you can hunt deer with it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You hunt coyotes with it. A-okay, Prairie Dogs. You can shoot competition with it. All kinds of competition. Every kind of competition, basically, with a 223. It's like, that's just easy. Yeah. Recoil is negligible. Ammo blah, is not everywhere, but yeah. sometimes is. should
2: be.
3: <laughs> it should be everywhere.
2: It's up and down. in comparison.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It is
2: very available.
3: You know right. what you could find on the shelf when the ammo got tight? Uh, no, don't 300 Win Mag. 17 HMR.
0: Oh, yeah. Shh. shh. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> Jim, you just remembered yeah. why he bought that rifle. I did. I just remembered why. And in, in <laughs> I'm not kidding you, it was walking through the store and seeing empty shelves except for 17 HMR that I finally thought, I'm going to buy that. The yeah. ammo availability made me buy a gun. Yep.
3: Yeah. It is the 300 Win Mag of garden defense. It is. It's probably more than you need, but it'll get the job done. <laughs> Uh,
0: it's funny actually though, despite having the 17 HMR for garden defense, I've still only shot garden, uh, destroyers with my 22. Why is that? I just haven't had the chance because I have, I, my 22 is in a different location than my 17. It's no fault. It, it, I've tried switching them around, but then inevitably what happens is wherever the 22 is is where the garden critters mm-hmm. come out. Cause I think they know Yep. they see, he's got the 17. They're like, Oh, the <laughs> 17 don't go out. But then they're like twenty-two. Maybe we have a chance. Ah, and then, but um, yeah, it does the job. They're looking down the barrel. You and, know what and you they
3: see th- that red tip. You need <laughs> you need <laughs> to get like a fourteen <laughs> flea or a nineteen Calhoun if you want to get some weird little guns. Then they won't. Why didn't know. we?
0: We haven't talked about these.
3: I don't know anything about those cartridges other than the brief excerpt in Cartridges of the World, the two thousand two printing.
0: Fourteen like flea 14 and nineteen flea. Calhoun. We have a Calhoun here. We he do have a Calhoun. I
3: asked him. I said, "You know anything about this?" Oh, so he doesn't. He's got a retention pond out back named after him. Yeah, that's Lake true. Calhoun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Reportedly, there are fish in it. Reportedly, Reportedly. Uh, I, I don't know.
0: Yeah, that's interesting.
3: Yep. <sighs> fun stuff.
0: Fun calibers. Fun stuff. That's right. Now, we're going to have to try and find a way to splice this back into the regular podcast. But one thing, this is actually, uh, we jumped on the DeLorean. We've had a weird time warp here for a moment. And we're back in the podcast. But as usual, after we got done, we started talking about a bunch of stuff that we should have talked about during the podcast. But <laughs> one of these other 17 caliber cartridges that a lot of people want to hear about, Seth even has a question about, is 17 yeah, Hornet. 17
2: Hornet. I goofed up. I'm sorry. It's... Probably one of the most popular, probably the most popular reloadable varmint. Yeah, we really goofed one. if we didn't mention it. Yeah. Yeah, that was a you would have You would
1: have <laughs> definitely gotten that one in the comments. Oh
0: yeah.
2: Yeah. Every comment. So here we are, finding a way to put it back in. Seventeen Hornet. Yeah. My personal question, I guess, is what what are you working with for bullet selection if you're loading a twenty or a, a 17 Hornet, which is a
3: necked. 22 hornet case 17 v max 25 grain v max 20 okay. grain v max so yeah. you're so I pretty mean, much the standard it, no, it's 17 not a 20, it's not a 20 v max is it maybe it is i've got i know in my
0: uh selection of ammo i believe i have some Hornady stuff and some winchester stuff yeah if i'm not mistaken and the winchester i believe is 20 grain
3: yeah that's the, Hornady the stuff
0: is 17 grain
3: so they all that's have in, red tips though that's in the rimfire loading Oh, so, right.
0: So, this is a center fire?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I, I'm mistaken. So, it's the, the Hornady's X manual. This is their most recent uh, 17 Hornet is a 20 grain VMAX or a 25 grain VMAX, not a 17 grain VMAX. Okay. Are the
0: projectiles different between the center fire
3: 17s and the rim fire 17s? I believe so, yeah. So, thinner jacket on the 17 VMAX for the 17 rim fire. 20 VMAX and above is thick enough to handle the pressures yeah. oh. um, of the center fire loading. Gotcha. Funny yep. story about that, actually.
2: When I was going to college, our machine shop instructor Jim, phenomenal fellow, good name. Shot lots of twenty-two trust, matches with him. Trustworthy uh, name. Yeah, the only the best. He was working up some loads for a 250 that he had. Again, trying to push push speed, get over that four thousand foot per second mark, and uh, he had found some <laughs> twenty-two Hornet bullets, which have thinner jackets, and. He was telling me a story about shooting a couple of these hand loads, and this rifle ordinarily shoots spectacularly, and all of a sudden he just was not hitting the target at all. And the thin-walled, thin-jacketed twenty two Hornet bullets, he was spinning so fast at 4,000 feet per second that they were separating in the air and just oh. not even hitting the target at all. Are they?
1: Were they separating Jeez. in the air, or will they separate in the the barrel as well, or could that no, happen?
3: No, I think they hold together. It's once they leave the muzzle, yeah, not oh, and there's nothing
1: anymore. The yeah. holding them together. Yeah. Yeah. Yep.
2: And so the 17 Hornet would need a, a thicker jacket than the rimfire because you're pushing the velocity and spinning it faster. Okay. Yeah. And so yeah,
3: just poof. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. This cartridge smoke. saw its debut in one iteration, similar to what we have now commercialized, in the 1950s. Now, wow. Other than P.O. Ackley with I the Ackley Hornet. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. How did we forget this?
2: I don't know. I, I, I had uh, written down that I should look into getting a 17 HM2, but what made me think about it again was like, oh, yeah, on my uh, on my honeymoon of all places, I saw a CZ 527 in a gun shop and 22 Hornet, and I wanted it real bad, but I think I'd get in trouble for a. Plane
3: rifle Your my wife head. is an incredible <laughs> woman, by the way, because. <laughs> Yeah, on my honeymoon, I Thank swung for- into a gunshot. Thank you for um- <laughs> Seriously,
2: yeah. they became a Vortex dealer after that. Visit. Did they really? I was so proud. Outstanding.
1: So yeah.
3: here's – Seth makes a very really good
2: – Forgot his anniversary
1: <laughs> five years <laughs> running, but he does remember the time he saw a 22 uh, – Yeah,
2: 22 Hornet in a gun shop in New Hampshire. Hampshire. So here's a really cool cartridge, though.
3: <laughs> God, we could have talked about this for some time. 17 Hornet, you could call it like the reloadable advantage to the 17 HMR with, with a remarkable performance advantage. Yep. So 20-grain VMAX run-of-the-mill loadings around 3,600 feet per second. it Don't tell me this. Yeah, cooking, right? Yep. So you definitely surpass the capabilities of the 17 HMR,
2: but you can reload the cases. Uh, that's why. Well,
3: I'm not going to reload. it. And it's, and it's <laughs> far more commercially viable than the 17 Remington Fireball, which would be the next step up in performance. Right. The only problem with Hornet cases of any kind is they're so diminutive and thin... Mm. that they get damaged really easy. Mm. And this is why the K Hornet kind of came into proliferation and popularity is that that bump of that shoulder on the K Hornet made the cartridge structurally more sound. Mm. So reloading it, you had less chance to crunch it. The 17 Hornet, if you want a 17, that is the one to get. Yeah, I think so. I I feel like such a rube (laughs) for not... Bringing that up, an obtuse rube. Yeah, golly, oh, that's, that's the worst. That's a double. Geez, that whammy. that makes me an amalgamous blob. If you're I didn't an even obtuse think we rube, I'm like an that a, word I'm, anymore. I'm an amoeba, <laughs> not e, not even a paramecium. Yep. Golly, uh, really cool cartridge. You can get it in the CZ 527, which is a really awesome rifle. I think you can get it in the Savage Model 25, the Walking or two Probably. Yeah, which yeah. is a really neat gun. Oh man! I don't know. Kind of goofed up. You can on that. get it.
0: You can get it factory loaded. Yeah.
2: Mhm. My wallet's burning right now. Actually. You got an <laughs> HMR? You got a HMR for sale now, Jim?
3: I might. Well, Sounds they fill like they fill two different roles though. So, like the HMR, what you wouldn't shoot a yard critter with a 17 Hornet? I would, but the HMR is going to be way quieter hmm. and uh, yeah. it's more discreet. Can I do it? Yeah. If you're if you're in an area that has a little bit higher population density. Perhaps the HMR is a safer bet
4: because the 17
3: Hornet is certainly going to carry further. Yeah. And you you run a little bit more risk. I wonder if my rimfire cans will handle a
2: 17 Hornet. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I'll have to make some phone calls. That
0: would be a curious thing to find out. I don't know.
3: I I like this, though, with the felt recoil of the 22 WMR, so nothing, Uh, and the trajectory of a 55 grain 223, (laughs) half the powder of the 17 Remington. Seventeen Hornet is a fun and economical cartridge for vomiting, target practice, or simply plinking. Let's get you a CZ 527. That like a list yeah. of pluses. I need
2: to. Yep, that's yeah. on my list too. Write one down for What's me too.
3: What's the
1: difference
0: too. between the 427 oh, yeah. and the 527?
3: Size. F- uh, 457.
0: Or 457. Rimfire. Ah, why do they? Why do these gun manufacturers and and everything manufacturers in that area of the world make everything letters and numbers
3: easier? It's not. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, you could tell if you have a cult following straight away. Yeah, it was only just recent (laughs) did I finally figure out how to even tell anybody what model I was talking about if I looked at a cool Mercedes or BMW. Oh yeah, no, that's a that's a 330ci. Oh no, that one over there, that one's it's just unbelievable.
3: Well, darn it, still lost. So so. (laughs) just remember, if it starts with a five in the CZ lineup, it is a centerfire, with respect to rifles, except the 512, which is a rimfire. See the that's their semauto twenty two yeah. mag. It's just
2: coming
1: unraveled.
3: Yeah. In a bolt gun. Well. If it starts with a five, <laughs> it is the center fire. Five twenty seven, five fifty, 550, five fifty seven. Okay. If it starts with a four, then it's rim fire.
0: Noted. Okay. All right. We're gonna have to figure a way to splice back in here real quick. But yep. first, but before we do that real fast, twenty two ladybug. You weren't you weren't gonna tell us about
3: that one on the podcast either? Center fire twenty two rim fire.
0: That every time you say that, it's like I saying it's like saying a. Uh, Cheeseburger without cheese. Yeah. It's a center fire
3: 22, 22 rim, fire.
0: rim fire. Yeah.
3: So a 22 rim fire case dimensionally. A little bit thicker rim with a center fire priming system. How do and, they even find enough the,
0: room in the back of that little 22 case to put a
3: small primer? rifle primer? Smaller. Is it just yeah. running
1: on? Is there powder? Yeah. There is powder. It's yeah. not just like a larger primer then.
3: No. It would be a super souped up 22 Calibri though if you ran
0: no yeah. powder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can get. And they one. called it the ladybug. Yeah, they couldn't come up with like a more. I like it. It's unassuming. Yeah. It's like oh, oh yeah. it's
1: just a ladybug. Bam.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. Just... Ladybug's kind of a badass. It's like insect. An Iceland like, Greenland. That's true. They are unassuming too. It's like an yeah. Iceland Greenland kind of thing. Or yeah,
3: you think a ladybug? You're like, that's a ladybug. You know, pretty. <laughs> Armor what do they show? do? That? What do they yeah. do? That's cool. They're aphid aphid killers. Infestation. What are their hunters. hunters? What do they kill? Aphids. You're gonna have to explain if it's your plants. I have an
0: economics degree, not a
3: tiny little (laughs) like imagine um, uh, microscopic cricket sort of. They're not, but sort of plant eaters infestations. If you grow
1: microscopic,
3: they're very small. I mean, you think about the prey that a ladybug would eat. I mean, ladybugs are pretty small. Yeah, but yeah, like to assess point. If you're if you're designing an insect, start with a ladybug. Yep. What's not to like about him? He's aerodynamic, low profile, rigid exterior. Volkswagen approved. Yeah, I mean we're, we
2: just talked about German engineering. They started with a ladybug. We
0: need an insect <laughs> vehicle after.
3: And they they picked a good one. Yep. I mean the other ladybugenstein. But... <laughs> oh my oh. god! And it's got a nice paint job. It's an aesthetically pleasing. Oh, insect. everybody
0: loves the ladybug.
2: Yeah. Polka dots, non-threatening. I don't yep. like the orange ones. Those no, aren't ladybugs. That's not no. a ladybug. Right.
0: Demon bugs. Yeah. Okay. All right. We're gonna casually splice our way back into the old conversation. Oh yeah, this
1: is we're is we're just gonna this will be very seamless, four, fluid.
0: Three, two, one. Well, thank you very much, gentlemen. Of course. Uh all right, everybody. Certainly somebody out there is listening by now and you've probably you just Kicking the car, you're throwing things around because we forgot to mention one. Go ahead and let us know what we forgot to mention uh, in the comments below if you're watching on YouTube or over on Instagram at Vortex Nation Podcast. Eager to hear about it. Maybe we can cover it another time. We didn't really come up with too many inventions in this particular one, but that's all right. 22x. We, yeah, yeah. we got a name. We got a, a trademark. Yeah. 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 Uh, so hashtag trademark. I think that's how you do it. Um, <laughs> yes. We'll see you guys on the next one. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, see everybody. You. Bye. Bye.